Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 23. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Victory does not come overnight. And Canaan land, listen, is not a picture of heaven. We've been singing that song for 200 years. You know, swing low, sweet chariot, looked over Jordan, what did I see? What is it again? (laughs) Coming for to carry me home. And that whole song is actually about believers crossing over Jordan, getting into heaven. Listen, Canaan is not a picture of heaven. How do we know that? Because we know from our text that there are giants in Canaan. Listen, there are no giants in heaven. There's no enemies to be defeated in heaven. Jesus has already defeated the enemies. If you're in heaven, you're not an enemy. You're on God's side. No enemies in heaven. So we know that Canaan is not a picture of heaven. What is it then? Listen, Canaan isn't a type of heaven. Canaan is a type of the Christian experience of maturity. It speaks of a type of us growing into our inheritance. It speaks of Christian maturity. These enemies, as we get into the land, as they get into the land, are going to be driven out little bit by little. Now, isn't it true of the Christian experience? As you walk with the Lord, little bit by little bit, you grow and you get victory over the flesh. Listen, when you first get saved, this is how it works. When you first get saved, all of the big sins generally go away. I mean, it happened for me that way. It happened for lots of people. As soon as you get saved, all the, I I call the top 10. You know, the big sins go away. You know, you don't sleep around anymore. You don't do drugs anymore. I know I'm not talking to anybody here, but I'm just going to point this out, okay? Um, We're just going for the sake of conversation. Okay, you don't sleep around anymore. You all of a sudden you get saved and you go, wow, man, God's been good. I better stop doing this. I better stop sleeping around. I better stop doing drugs. You know, I I, I don't talk the way I used to talk. I don't I don't drink the way I used to drink. I drink less now. And and I don't I don't (laughs) don't shout me down with amen. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. 
And but but you know you don't do the things that you used to do. You're nicer to your wife. You're nicer in traffic. You know you don't have road rage anymore. I mean the biggies. I'm talking about the biggies. The biggies are gone. But then listen, as you keep walking with the Lord, what happens? God starts to show you the stuff a little bit deeper, stuff you were like, I can't believe that's still in my heart. God begins to start revealing to you, well, you know, it ain't about, okay, now you don't smoke or chew or go with girls who do. This is good. (laughs) But now God starts to get deep in your heart, deep in your life, and starts dealing with things that are just a little bit deeper. How about this? Your thought life. What about the things that are deep in your heart? Bitterness, envy, jealousy, anger, unforgiveness, your lack of mercy, your harshness toward people. See, God begins to deal with as you continue to walk with the Lord. You still with me? As you continue to walk with the Lord, God starts to get a little bit deeper and God begins to show you all of these things and it just blows your mind. Now, God doesn't give all that to you at once. That happens what? Little by little. And good thing that it happens little by little because that's what we call growing. And good thing, because if God took everything out of your life all at one time, you would be a self-righteous mess. Nobody could stand be around you. A new Christian, you know, I'm just I'm struggling with this and I'm just struggling. You'd be you'd be so you'd be shut up. God took it all out of my life at one time. Shut up and get over it. You wouldn't have no mercy. I can't believe you. And we do that, don't we? Don't we look at other people? This is true. We look at other people, and, and, and they got sin in their lives. Well, look, we're all trying to be like Jesus. We're all just trying to grow and get a little stronger and grow a little more and, 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 and become better in our Christian life and, and be more like the Lord. We're all growing. Everybody's getting there. We're all on different scales. Some of us are a little infant, embryonic stage, and some of us are a little more mature Christians. We're all on the whole scale. But isn't it interesting when we start learning a little bit about the Bible or we start growing up as a Christian, all of a sudden we look at other people who are not where we're where we are. And we start thinking they supposed to be like me today. Well, they ain't got saved two weeks ago. You've been saved for thirty nine hundred years. You had all this time to become the spiritual self you are. Somebody say amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But all of a sudden, oh, I can't believe they're walking in sin. I can't believe they don't get on and look at them. Oh, hold on, partner. Give them time. You had plenty of time to become the spiritual person you are. Give them time. Give a brother a break. (laughs) You understand? God does what he does in our lives little bit by little bit. And he's teaching us that. He's telling the people, listen, you're going to go into the land and you're going to drive out those enemies, but it's not going to be all done at one time. It's going to be little bit by little bit. Growth takes place little bit by little bit. So God says, when you get in the land, 
right about verse 32. Go ahead and look at it in your Bibles. God says, when you get in the land, don't make any covenants. Saints, this is huge. Listen, huge. Don't make any, God is saying, don't make any compromises with the inhabitants of the land. Because if you make a covenant or you make a compromise, they will cause you to sin. And if you serve their gods, it will surely be a trap in verse 33. Listen, don't try. Here's what we learn from this. Don't try and compromise with the enemy. You cannot compromise with the enemy as God is dealing with you. And there are things in your life that you need to change. Don't make a covenant with them. Here's why. Because listen, there is listen, listen. There's no negotiating with your flesh. You can't negotiate with your flesh. Your flesh Cannot negotiate with a fall. You get with a fall nature. You cannot give your flesh a stipend. I'm going to say it a different way. You cannot give your flesh a little bit. The Bible says don't even give Satan a foothold in your life. You can't say, well, I'm struggling with this and maybe I can compromise a little bit and do it. Maybe I'll just do less of that sin. You can't give your flesh an allowance. <laughs> you understand? You can't give your flesh an allowance. Why? Because your flesh, listen, is insatiable. That's why. You give it a little bit. It wants more and you can never satisfy your flesh. You can't do it. You know, somebody once said, I think it was Sunday, I was visiting with the family I want to say it was Sunday, maybe a church or whatever. And, and they, they, they told me this. They said, they said, give Satan an inch and I filled in a blank and he'll take a mile or take a yard or something like that. They said, no, give Satan an inch and he will become a ruler. I thought, that's so good. Why didn't I think of that? Isn't that true? Give Satan an inch and he'll become the ruler. There's no negotiation with, this, with Satan. There's only the tearing down and the destroying and the replacing light. No, the replacing that darkness with light. Don't compromise and give Satan a foothold in your life. Chapter 24. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 1, look at it if you're there. Say amen. Now he, God, said to Moses... Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel, and worship from, underline this, afar. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. And so Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said, we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. And he got up early in the morning. He built an altar at the foot of the mountain and he placed there 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And then Moses sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings. Now remember, this is before the priesthood was established. So he just chose some faithful young men, some godly young men, and told them to go and offer burnt offerings in verse five and sacrifice peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took, note this, half the blood, and he put it in basins. 
And he took the other half of the blood. And what did he do with it? He sprinkled it on the altar. And then he took the book of the covenant, the book of the covenant. And he read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and he sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you, according to all these words. Stop right there. Notice, saints, the law has been given. And after the law is given, he gives them the place to worship and the sacrifice to be made. Now, we want to notice In Exodus chapter 24, if in your own time you read Matthew chapter 17, you'll see that Exodus chapter 24 and Matthew 17 is the counterpart to Exodus 24. As in Matthew 17, Jesus took the inner circle. Don't you remember the story? Peter, James and John. And he took them up on the mountain. Well, God said in our text to Moses, come up to the Lord, you, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders of 70 elders of Israel and worship from afar. Isn't that interesting? You fast forward to the New Testament and we learn that after Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the temple was torn in two. The Lord says then and he says to us tonight. We don't have to worship from afar. Now we can come boldly unto the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy and help in a time of need. In the Old Testament, they said, stay away. God says, stay away. The New Testament, Jesus says, come near. Isn't that interesting? The Lord's saying to us tonight, come close, come as close as you can. And how many people keep their distance from God? How sad is that? I mean, people keep their distance and God tells them to come and worship. And and even if it's at a distance, God wants us to draw near to him and worship him. You know, there's a lot of times when we come to church and especially on Wednesday night, I notice this as people have been working all day and you getting through the traffic and you got the kids in the car and you had to stop by Wendy's and get a chicken sandwich and you're eating in the car on the go. Get out of the car in the parking lot. You got to walk way from up there to the children's ministry way down there. I seen one poor mommy. She had bags in tow. I think a baby was grabbing on her shirt and neck and swinging like this. She had two babies like this. That poor woman. We need to have mommy parking somewhere. Amen. That's all the mommies. I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm just... It was a thought. It was a fleeting moment. And, you know, you just get rushed. And by the time you get in here to worship and it's like, oh, man, I'm tired. Oh, man, I got to offer a sacrifice of praise because I don't feel like it. Listen, can I encourage you? Worship God even if you don't feel like it. Why? Because we don't worship God because we feel like it. We worship God for who he is. Somebody say amen. We worship God for who he is. I don't always look. I'm the pastor. I don't always feel like worshiping. If I worship God when I felt like it, I might not worship that much. I mean, I do, but I'm just saying if if I waited until I felt like, are you listening? If I waited until I felt like it. You know, Satan will work on your feelings. 
I don't feel like worshiping God, so I don't worship God. Listen, don't wait for your feelings. Here's how it works. Walk in the door, worship God. Guess what happened? The feelings will follow. All of a sudden, you're worshiping God, and you go, oh, yeah, this is great. This is great. I love it. I love it. When I came in here, I was tired. And now I feel like it. We don't worship God because we feel like it. We worship God because of who he is. Well, Moses came in our text. He told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And the people said all that God said we will do. Moses woke up the next morning, built an altar, 12 pillars, presenting, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And he established the priesthood there with some young guys in these early days of being in the land. Peace offerings. Those are fellowship offerings as they come into the presence of the Lord. And then Moses took half the blood. Did you notice that? And he put it in a basin and he took the other half of the blood and he sprinkled it on the people. Listen, that's a lot of blood, y'all. The people are gathered around Moses to read. All of a sudden he takes blood. Can you imagine being on the first row? He to take the blood and he just starts sprinkling it on the people. And then he took the book of the covenants and he read that would be chapters 21, 20, 21, 22 and 23. He took the book of the covenants. And again, the people said all that God said, we will do. And so the people are standing there. Saints get the scene. The people are standing there. It's a very somber occasion. The people are gathered around Moses and Moses just starts sprinkling the blood on the people. And this blood covenant, you might think, would be something that would be of a lasting impression on them. But it wasn't because just a few chapters later, when we get to it, you'll see it. The people. Remember, these are the same people said, oh, all that God said we will do. Well, just a few chapters later, Moses goes up on the mountain. He comes down. And what are they doing? Worshiping a calf. And Moses came down and said, what's going on? What are you doing? And they said, well, we don't know what happened. We took some coal, we threw it in the fire, and poof, a calf came out. We don't <laughs> and all of a sudden, we were just kind of dancing around it and worshiping it. We don't really know what happened, Pastor Mo. And, and wouldn't you think, wouldn't you think something like a blood covenant sprinkled on the people would really, really seriously impact them? It doesn't, which teaches us, listen, the change in people really needs to be from the inside out. Just because you see signs and wonders and all these cool things that happen externally, don't be deceived. The change, because those things aren't lasting. They're good. They're encouraging, but they're not lasting because the change that needs to happen needs to happen from the inside out. Notice in verse nine, then Moses went up. And also Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel. And note this, they saw the God of Israel. And there under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hands. And so they saw God, and they ate, and they drank. And then Moses, in verse 12 The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there and I will give you tablets of stone and the law and the commandments which I have written that you may teach them. And so Moses arose with his assistant and Moses went up to the mountain of God 
And he said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back. Indeed, Aaron and her, they'll hold down the fort. And if any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. And then Moses went up into the mountain and a cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of the Lord rested on the mountain, Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And then the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire. This was no volcano, people. This mountain was a mountain of granite. It was on fire and it was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. And so Moses went into the midst of the cloud. You getting the scene here? Get it in your mind's eye. Moses went into the midst of the cloud and he went up into the mountain and Moses was on the mountain. Well, how many days and nights, saints? For 40 days and 40 nights. So Nadab and Abihu, give me your attention. These guys, we'll talk about them a little bit later. You might want to go and do some homework on these two. Uh, They made a major mistake. You'll find it in the book of Leviticus, and they pay for it with their lives. But let me draw your attention to verse 10. Notice they draw near to God, Nadab, Abihu, Aaron, 70 elders of Moses, and they see the God of Israel and his feet is beautiful pavement of sapphire. I like that. This pavement is like a blue gem. And, and it's like, remember in the book of Revelation, you see the sea of glass. So here we see like an image of, of God in the pavement there. And notice they saw the God of Israel. Now, what does that mean? Exodus chapter 33. I was going to take you to it. I don't have time. You look at it in your own time. But in Exodus 33, you perhaps know the story as Moses asked God to show him his glory. And God says, no man can see my face and live. Now, listen, it's not that. Here's the idea here. It's not that if you take a sneak peek at God, he's going to kill you. That's not the sense there. It's more that God's glory and God's presence is so radical, so powerful, so penetrating that if you got a full glimpse of glimpse of him, you would die. It's not if you see God, he'll kill you. It's that we in this earthly body, you can't handle seeing God. You understand? You can't handle seeing him. So Moses in Exodus 33 kept asking God, could he get a glimpse of him? And God says, okay, when I pass by, I will hide you in the cleft of the rock. I will cover you with my hand and I'll take away my hand and you'll see my back. In other words, Moses saw the afterglow of God and Moses was glowing for days. You know that story. Well, notice in verse 11 in your Bibles, they saw God and they ate and they drank which I do not know how they did that. I mean, after seeing the glory of God and the glimpse of God, how was it that you eat and drink? I have no idea. And so Moses said to them in verse 12 to stay here and Aaron and her will hold down the fort, as I said. And Moses went up and the cloud covered the mountain and the mountain was consumed. I couldn't help but think of in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. You know that verse? It says, for our God is a consuming fire. I couldn't help but think about that verse. I mean, can you imagine how Moses felt being in the midst of all of this 
And then Moses is up there for 40 days and 40 nights without food and without water, which is a little bit different than Jesus. Remember, Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. But the Bible tells us at the end of the 40 days, do your homework at the end of the 40 days and the 40 nights. It says that Jesus was hungry. It doesn't tell us that Jesus was thirsty. It's very possible that Jesus took water during those 40 days and 40 nights, but he didn't take food. Moses was up on the mountain for 40 days and for 40 nights. And so later on in the story, as we continue through Exodus, we'll see as Moses comes down with the tablets, he breaks the tablets. He goes back up the next day and it's very likely that he was up there for another 40 days. You see, Moses being in the presence of the Lord, God sustained him completely and totally. He didn't even eat. Very, very interesting. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.